the No Grow Follow podcast where we talk about church and today's culture. With your hosts, Adam and Pastor Jay. Hello, my name is Adam. I'm Pastor Jay. And we're here with the No Grow Follow podcast. Yeah, we were sitting here discussing uh, planning and planning podcast stuff. And as we talked about topics, Adam said, the four-week series is just not going to work. And I was blown away. Yeah, one thing that is kind of weird is that it didn't used to be that way, did it? That's right. You know, for years and years, church followed the Revised Common Lectionary, which gave an appointed reading for every day of the year. And in three years of going to church every Sunday, you would hear the whole Bible. But maybe 20 years ago or so, maybe 30 years ago in the 80s, I guess, many churches went away from the Revised Common Lectionary to do week-long or month-long themes. So four weeks on Jeremiah or four weeks on creation or stewardship with the hope that by creating a series, you would have people who would come week after week after week. And that's one thing I, I really don't like per se about church. Yeah. Is I, my attention span as a younger generation person is really short. And I don't want to sit here and listen to the same topic over and over and over and over again. I want to hear something new, something extravagant, something cool, something that makes my heart flutter every week. Yeah. And like the same thing, it just gets old and it makes me want to go somewhere new. And that's, that's also one thing I wanted to bring up with this podcast is that's what we plan to do. Every week we plan to make something new. So let's, uh, let's go ahead and uh, talk about this. In the new church, mm-hmm. and I believe in the next couple of years, the yep. church is going to change. It's going to shift toward the newer people. Radically. We are on the edge of a radical shift in the church. Because like, when you look at it every week, there's, young, there's fewer and fewer young people that come to church, and I think that needs to change. I, I agree. You know, what I know in my personal life that has changed over the last however many years is, is something as simple as how I get the rest of my media. You know, I went from a kid that I grew up with three channels, right? You either watch the ABC affiliate, the NBC affiliate, or the CBS affiliate, had the TV with the dial. And I'm only 45, but, but, but that was the way it was. And from there to cable to now that I have YouTube and Hulu and Netflix you know, on my phone, I can have any media I want at the push of a button at any moment. I don't have to go home on Friday to see the newest episode of whatever comes on. I can stream them all this afternoon. And the, I think the church is behind the ball on that. Yeah, I mean, if you if you look at it, church is only on a couple different media outlets. Mm-hmm. I mean, they have this media. These mega churches are huge, and they're they're kind of jumping the gun, and they're they're trying to get the ball rolling, but they're kind of leaving the rest of the church behind. Yeah. And like. I don't personally like megachurches. Megachurches okay. are too big. I want to be an individual. As a younger person, I want to be an individual. I don't want to be lost in the crowd. Sure. So that's that's why I like a smaller church. But then again, they're usually churches that have all the, the cool, extravagant things that are going on. So it's kind of tearing the new generation in half. Yeah. And it ends up with us not knowing where to go and having a question mark above our head. What are we supposed to do? That makes total sense. It, it puts us on a quest as young people okay. where we're supposed to go. Mm-hmm. We're going to fork off. And there's two different forks. We either go to church, go somewhere, or we go somewhere else to a big church. Sure. Now, that being said, there's also a third fork in the road, which is 
don't go to church, mm -hmm. have kids, bring them back to the church. Well, and statistics would say, Adam, that that was the way it was for most people. I mean, as a denominational church in the Lutheran tradition, we've got the numbers that said for years and years and years, people would do exactly that. They would graduate from high school, they would go to college, they would take a trade, they would be in the service, you would lose them from the church, they would come back to do a baptism, maybe for a baby or a wedding and a baptism somewhere in there, and then you would see them again when Sunday school started or Christian ed started for their kids. Statistically speaking, that's not happening anymore. What we're seeing is that folks are in the church through a traditional confirmation program into the teenage years, and then the church loses traction. They're not coming back at the end when they're having kids or getting married or, or ready for those kids to be in some sort of Christian education. They're just, they're just not. The, the church isn't relevant to them anymore, which is one of the things we need to sort of figure out. I was thinking about this earlier. This is kind of like Joan and the whale. The church is going down, 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 down. Yeah. And what we're, we're eventually going to reach this bottom point where the church is going to change. I think you're absolutely right. And I think that's soon. And after he, after Jonah went down, 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 where did he go? He started coming up, 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 up. Exactly. Yeah. So let's, let's hope and pray that the new church is going to be changing yeah. and it's going to be better for the younger generation because that's what I want. This, this is, my hairs are standing up in my head right now. That, that's what I want. Like this is something that is very passionate to me. I want to have people my age in church with me so I don't have to deal with everyone that's older and look around and be the only young person. Here. Sure, absolutely. You know, I would say a couple things come to mind, but one is I think coronavirus has been that, that, turning point yes you know that we have the church has been going along and, and sort of lamenting the loss of young people but not doing a whole lot about it some churches are doing much better than others don't yes. get me wrong but but for the most part we sort of lament and we and we hope that you know you will have a family and come back someday and and we sort of just write off a, a generation of folks who are really impacting the nation the world in a better way but just not doing it through churches coronavirus forced us to say the way we used to count butts in the seats and bucks in the, in the plate, right? Yeah. The, the metrics that were used to, to judge if a church was being successful don't work anymore. That we were forced to, within weeks, make gigantic changes in the way we bring worship to people, worship together with people, and the way we do service. And I saw it on Facebook or on Instagram all the time that the churches aren't closed, the churches are outside. And I really believe that. We were able to, to create these new media in just such a short amount of time, which was fantastic for us. So it's amazing how many churches, like the, there was a meme that was going on at the beginning of coronavirus. How many churches were going to make their service look like a Bin Laden video? <laughs> there was a meme like that. And that was, and like a lot of churches did terrible. We, we kind of, got off to a really bad start. There were some our, bumps on the road, there's in, no doubt. In our church, I tuned in the first week, and it was just rolling, 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 stop. Yeah. And then that was the first five minutes of service I was at. Yeah. So we, we, we have to, uh, the church has changed so much in these past couple of months that it yeah. is absolutely insane. Yeah, yeah. I go back to your story of Jonah and the whale. You know, 
Jonah is a reluctant prophet, and he gets this call to go to the Ninevites, people he doesn't like, right? He doesn't understand them. They look different than him. They have different language, different culture. He does not want to go to Nineveh. He's a good, upright dude, and he's not going to where those sinners are, right? And so God says, go to Nineveh. And Jonah's like, no. And he says yes to God, of course, but, but he goes in the opposite direction. You know, if you have a map, when you, when you do Jonah and you had a map, you can see he's supposed to go to Nineveh, which was all the way to the right, and he's heading to Tarshish, which is all the way to the left. And, um, and everything he can do to go the opposite direction of God sort of leads him down into this, this dark place, ultimately the bottom of the ocean and the belly of the fish. And the, and the Hebrew poets who wrote the story of Jonah down for us, who, who wrote it down for our scripture, did it in this cool, chiastic poetry structure where you can actually, like, you feel that, like, down a level, down a level, down a level, down a level, rock bottom. And at the beginning of chapter two, there's this beautiful prayer where Jonah ultimately says, I should have went to Nineveh and I went to Tarshish. Open my eyes, Lord, and show me where we need to go, right? And then he gets, you know, up through the sea, thrown up in vomit on the beach. Then he goes up the hill to Nineveh. He goes up to, it's just, it's so cool how the poetry works to get us to the point where we are right now in making this change in how we do cultural church. Wait, 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 wait. Are you saying that the story of Jonah is poetry? Absolutely. I've, I've never known that. Yeah. Like, how, how, how so is it poetry? Is it, is it written like the Odyssey? It's, yeah, it's written like a, a it's Hebrew, po- Hebrew, Hebrew poetry prior to the first century. So in our Bible, this might be earth shattering, in our Bible we have different kinds of literature, right? So there's the narrative literature, like this is I'm gonna tell you a story, right? And then Jesus teaches in parables, which are like more like Aesop's fables, right? We're going to tell you a story, not that there needed to be a person who actually did that, but the story has a moral or a lesson, okay? Then there are books of the Bible like Numbers, which are strictly just lists, right? This happened, and then this happened, and this happened, and there were this many people, and there were this many people. But a lot of the Bible, all of the Psalms, most of the prophets, some in the New Testament, are poetry, not written like, like you know how poetry works yeah, right yeah. Like, you know poetry roses like, are red violets are blue right right i'm trying to explain something that's bigger than i than my imagination and so i'm going to use these words to help us understand either allegorically or metaphorically what's going on in the world and jonah is one of those poems jonah is one of the oldest books in scripture um and it's written in this language so yeah there's a guy named jonah and yeah there are people that uh, called Ninevites, but but how we get this turning of perspective this reliance on God is really written with beautiful poetry. Some of that's lost in the English translation, of course. Yeah, well, I, I, I understand that. But something we have to think about is, as Jonah went up, 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 yeah. how are we going to go up, 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 up? Now, that being said, something I just thought about was, when I was a kid, mm-hmm. church activities, like Sunday school and going and doing... Um, the uh, summer oh, uh, Bible, camp, like Bible camp at the most fun times mm-hmm. but I felt the church never capitalized on it and they, they were so close to losing me yeah. as, as an adult like they lost everyone else Sure. like my youth group uh, my church when I went through youth group there was no one left yeah. that was with youth group of right. like 35 people There's yeah. n- I'm the only one that's still here yeah why do you think that is? I, I think a, a lot of them went to the mega church, and yeah. the, the rest of them kind of stopped. So there are two arguments that I've heard people make, and one was that your youth group experience wasn't similar enough to what it's like to being part of the adult church. The youth group experience is fun and camp and 
uh, passing lollipops from one person to the other and going on these big trips and a, a youth director who's meant to you know, take you out for a Coke and see how you're doing. And then all of a sudden the church says, okay, you're 18 now. Now you have to go be part of a board or committee or show up on your own. I don't know if I buy that argument, but there are times that I totally buy that argument. Like, like the church sets up kids, students, almost to fail at times by this this odd experience that's called church built just for them without the discipleship piece that sometimes goes along with it. Why can't the church do that? Why can't Throughout the church all of con- life? C- continue? Because, like, I understand the church used to be like, oh, okay, yeah. well, like, this is how church goes. This is how so why can't, because times are changing, generations are changing. coronavirus in the time of cell phones in 2020 and what we know for sure is that if you say to 47th graders okay you need a Friday Saturday Sunday you're gonna go away it's gonna cost a hundred dollars or whatever and this is what we're gonna study that 35 of those 40 are going to have softball or soccer or their parents are gonna have to work they don't have transportation or or whatever that and yet we know that they still need to do something Katie, our youth director, has put together an overnight on Zoom retreat that students will do from their homes together with a TikTok aspect and a creative aspect and uh, these gift boxes that are going to get dropped off at their homes so that they all have Mountain Dew and, and pizza rolls and that kind of stuff through the night because we're trying to do exactly what you're saying. We're trying to translate the purpose. We want to love what you learn we, we, we want to love the purpose of the confirmation retreat more than we love the where did you put your sleeping bag part of the retreat. And you, you see what I'm saying? Yeah, I, I do. And I think that that is innovative yeah. in such a way that I think more churches, to whomever may be listening, more churches, that, that would be a wonderful idea. Yeah. Because like after I got out of youth group, mm-hmm. no. Like, I had no direction. My right. parents told me I had to go to church. Sure. Like, I'm, I'm from the South, so, yeah. like, like religion is part of it. But after I was, after I turned 18, I got out of youth group. What's next? Well, yeah, what, what's next? How yeah. do I, Man. after I turned 18, the first thing when I made a decision that came to my mind was yeah. not what would God think. And I think that needs to change. You, you know, what I, so to go back to Joan, I think you could sum it all up with what's next. The church is in a particular point in time where we need to make some kind of change. And one of the things that the church always believed before was exactly what you said. They'd come to church, they'd graduate, they'd have kids, they'd come back, right? And so because we just figured everybody was coming back, we didn't have to have anything for them. We were just going to wait. Because if you wait for the four years while they're in college, plus two years to, make, to find a mate, plus two years to make a baby, plus now they're in Sunday school, or whatever, if you just wait it out, they're coming back but they're not coming back anymore. And so now we need to figure out for the first time in a long time, the church has to figure out, okay, so what's the next step for Adam who graduates from high school? And then, okay, so now how do we continue to minister to, to the students who are off to college? Or what about the ones that went to the service? Or what about the ones who lived here and took on a trade? Like, so how do we now we, we minister to them? Now you need a, a 20-somethings group, or you need a, a 
discipleship program or a fellowship program for 20-somethings. That, okay, so now some get married, but some don't. And I need a singles program and a, and a married program. I think that the technology of the day provides us an opportunity to reach out in all those directions, but we haven't carefully thought out the pipe. If a church went out there and just set that up, wouldn't yeah. that set them up for failure? In such a way that you can't go out there and set up a, like a 20-somethings group and expect people to come. That's oh, going yeah. to fail right out the gate. Oh, yeah. If we it set has up to be like a four-year out plan. Absolutely. Absolutely. So we need to be thinking now, post-corona 2020. A friend of mine said, and he was absolutely right, that the church was more innovative in the first five weeks after the corona shutdown in America than we were in the last 500 years. The same music that we were singing, that Luther was singing in German in Germany or in Latin in German, like the same lectionary, the same, like, like the same worship style, like the church had made no changes. That, that in, in 1600, they counted you know, what's, how much money's in the offering plate and how many people are in attendance. And in 2019, we counted how much money's in the offering plate. And it was like, we have, we have this opportunity to create this thing and say, wow, 20-something still exist. They still have spiritual questions, but I would be, I would be lonely man if I sat in this building and waited for 20-somethings to walk in to learn about Jesus. Yeah, I, I could count. I could during the during this last service with the last big service I was here. I could count the number of people that were my age on uh, less than five fingers. I was gonna say on one finger. Yeah, I like count on one finger. I, I think there were two, me yeah. and my sister. Okay. Oh yeah. Okay. So so two. You have two fingers. Yeah, but that's that's it. But if we if we ignore the question, I mean, if we get to the question of what's the purpose and what's the pipeline and what comes next, then we can start to say. Okay, well, what are the best of the things that we could do, and how do we translate that into a modern culture? So, how do we? We can't expect twenty-somethings to come. I would. It would be silly to expect twenty-somethings are going to show up for a Bible study on Sunday afternoon, but we can make a podcast. Yeah, of right? course. Um, we can. You know, we put our services as as hiccupy as it is sometimes. Our service is now together online, where before during Corona. Your options at this particular congregation were show up or don't. And so, but now you can show up or you can watch it online sometimes later. And what we're seeing is that there are hundreds of people who are watching at least parts of our service during the week. Maybe not from beginning to end, but but hundreds of people, uh, sometimes as many as a thousand people who are clicking on, at least clicking on the video, who are hearing that we're here and we're, we're knowing, we're aware of us at least. Whether they get connected or not is then the next step. So. So we still need to build those things in, into, into being. And that's that's a good thing. And that's one thing, one reason why I wanted to start the podcast. Yeah. The last thing I want to do is see the church go downhill. I right. love the church. Uh, I know, grow, and follow the church. Yeah. And the last thing I want to see is attendance flutter out and, sure. the tr- and my home church cease to exist. Right. So we... Well, and we, even from a higher level, I mean, I would hate Christianity changes my life. I mean, my relationship with Jesus and my life of discipleship and, and the decisions I make on a day-to-day basis influenced by faith, you know, fellowship, worship, discipleship, mission, uh, all of those things draw me together. Like, if that becomes passe or outdated, then I think we've failed a whole generation, you know? I mean, the church is supposed to be making disciples of Jesus, and, and if, we're, if we love the method that we used to make disciples more than we love making new disciples— then we're not being Christians anymore. We, this might be bad news, but in my mind, we might have already failed one generation. Yeah. But we need to stop 
from failing another. Yeah. Because after that, it's probably going to be a domino effect. Sure. So we need to claw back into it. Yep. And like I think I think that's the best way for the church to handle it. Yeah. Even though I'm not a pastor yeah. or I'm not someone that's ever worked in a church, that's why I do believe. I think you're absolutely right. To go back to the Jonah story, which is such a spectacular story, you know, Jonah eventually gets thrown up on the beach and he's all smelling like vomit and he walks his way, you know, into Nineveh, even as a reluctant prophet. Um, you know, the story says that he, he doesn't say he whispers, repent for the kingdom of God, you know, repent, uh, but, but you kind of get the feeling that she's like, you know, repent and, and doesn't really, you know, care really about the Ninevites. But even in reluctance and wondering how it's going to work and, and questioning, God's work is still done. I mean, God takes Jonah up to the top of this mountain and he gets to watch and Nineveh doesn't get destroyed because they do repent for their sins. They do get saved in the middle of it. And Jonah has this little fit, but God saves all these people. You know, I, th I think that that's good news for the church who has for so long hung, hung on to like, the vestiges of tradition. I love tradition. I mean, I'm a pastor for goodness sake. I, I've, I buy into the tradition 100%. You know, I love the colors and the smells and the bells and, and, all, that, and all that stuff. And yet if it's not working, man, stop. You know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna mow my lawn with the gas mower because the one that Beaver used, uh, leave it to Beaver in black and white to mow the lawn with just the, the blades, yeah. like that's beyond us, man. We, we can't do that anymore. You know, so what can we do? And, and I, I don't have all the answers, but I've, I th certainly think we need to pick a trajectory and go there. So I think the worst thing we can do as a church, as a congregation, as a people that believe in Christ, yeah. I think the worst thing you can do is do nothing in the in, in the times. Yeah, so right. like you can't expect to do nothing and something to just fall on your lap. And right. like possibly an old, like years ago mm -hmm. that that could have been. Sure. But I mean like think of it in today and this may relate to younger people. If you can't go out and expect a job opportunity to fall on your lap. Right. You you have to go out, you have to strive for it, you have yep. to get work experience and to yep. get the job that you want. Yep. You also can't work your way through college anymore. Right. You have to, you either have to have help or get student loans or work for eight years like I did mm -hmm. and then save up for college and go to college and yeah. graduate as a 26 year old and be late to late into the workforce. I mean, yeah. like it's, it's a real, what's going on with the church. Yeah has already occurred with the rest of society yes. and the church just has to catch up yes. but the amount that the church has to catch up is that of 500 years right or even more gone are the days where you could start a new church and put a sign on the on this front yard on the yard right along the street that said whatever whatever church and people show up on sunday because people go to church those days are gone. Those days are gone. Like rare are the times someone walks into into this congregation and says, "I moved here and I saw the sign and this is where I want to go." I mean, that now if you move to a new city, you move to a new place with all of the tools at your disposal, you find a church, you visit the church on their in social media, you maybe go to their website or their their Twitter or their Instagram or um, you know a lot about the church before you ever hit the front door. And those decisions are made way out there. That if, if, if a church just sits and waits for people to show up, you're going to be lonely. Oh, yeah. You know, and so one of, how do we, so we do evangelism differently. I mean, you have to do evangelism differently. You have to reach out into the community differently. You have to share your gospel differently. You know, here we say we're going to, 
proclaim the love of God to all people so they will know, grow, and follow. Yes. And it's the no grow, follow piece that comes after somebody finds us. That's what we say at the end of every church service. Proclaim the love of, all, of God to all people so we know Jesus Christ, grow in faith, and follow Christ. That's where no grow, follow comes from. Yeah, and that no grow, follow is, I, th- I think that that no grow, follow happens on Tuesday afternoon when you're at the grocery store. I think that no grow follow happens when you're Friday night at the football game and the guy behind you has a terrible mouth. And I think that that no grow follow happens when it's time to decide, you know, what prom dress does your daughter wear? Where does it come from? Is it made by kids or is it made by adults? Um, I, I think that no grow follow happens when you choose, you know, music. And, and all of the pieces in life, I think, fall into that no grow follow piece because I truly believe, you know, in these contentious days of 2020 where people are learning how to talk to each other again, or we're for surely living in days where people aren't talking to each other, fighting with each other or whatever, um, I think we're being pushed to the edges and that there's not really a place for a lukewarm church anymore. That a church has to say, this is who we are because you have options, right? As a, as a millennial, if you want to choose a church, I bet you've done all of the background information to say, you know, do they, do they challenge me? Do they have a same, similar understanding about sexuality to me? Do we understand the Bible in a similar way? Am I going to be welcomed there demographically? Do I look like the people who were there? That, that, that work is all being done beforehand. And so for somebody to come to just lukewarm church, I don't think we have, we don't have time in 2020 to live like that anymore. And like, I'm kind of calling the church out on this one. Well, sure. But I think one reason why there's so many problems and with families divorce children that that don't have like the parents um like uh, being involved in their lives and such i think that begins and ends with the church so dave ferguson is this pastor in chicago has a big mega church and, and writes all these books right i don't know how he has time to pastor because he writes all these books in one of his books he talks about how statistically being a christian in america doesn't matter that statistically speaking Christians, self-proclaimed Christians, the divorce rate is almost identical to non-Christians. The abortion rate is almost identical to non-Christians. The, the, all of those social things you want to you name, racism is almost identical. Um, all of those things that you want to name that are social ills and problems, yeah. that because of the way we've done church or haven't done church, we have generations of people who don't know how to talk about sex and politics and religion and for whom church membership, participation, affiliation doesn't matter on their Tuesdays and their Thursdays and their Saturdays. And, and also the, the the newer generation, like around my generation, we don't we don't know how to argue. We don't know how to push a point. Right. And so at that, it becomes a it kind of becomes a toss up between what do I want mm-hmm. and what is there. Sure. Because you can't you don't know how to push for what you want to become a thing yeah and like there there are wants and needs and i have to get all into like marketing and stuff yeah right but in the end what we need to do is we need to just make ourselves soft and malleable as a church Mm -hmm. and we need to form to what is out there because that's that's what we really need to do and that's not just talking about our church it's talking about every church yeah i i'm I would almost 100% agree with you. I'm not really sure if I'd use the same words, you know? Okay. I, I would say that around the churches, around Jesus Christ, we have to draw some lines. Yes. Right? And so we can't just be whatever the world needs. 
we have to be the Jesus the world needs. Yeah, it won't be the church of the 20-somethings. It'll right. be like... Right, right. So how do we become a, a multi-ethnic, multi-generational uh, church that does good in the community for people? Yes. And, and part of that, you know, is we understand through Scripture that Jesus, well, God created everybody in God's image, right? And that Jesus came, we believe, to die on the cross to save people from the sins of the world. Like, everybody, like, all of creation is redeemed. And so, as a church, how do we live that into being? Well, you can't live that into being if we all look the same. You know what I'm saying? Exactly. You, yeah, you have to be a, a church of the, the, if you could see my hand, I'm making this big circle with my hands, right, because I talk with my hand, um, an all-inclusive thing, because if, well, let me back up and say this. So we believe in a God who's Trinity, right? Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Yes. And we believe that a God is in community, right? So if you have a Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit that are in community, together they are, they're be, being God. And so if we're created in God's image, we're created in the image of community. So if we're going to live the kingdom of God into being created in God's image, we have to do that with other people. And that means all the other people. So how do we have people of different colors and, and languages and sexual orientations and age and economic status that God created us to be in community with one another? And when we say, well, wait a second, we're, only, we're the church that only sings to an organ— and we're the church that only sings if there's drums, that's not all people anymore. Now, Letty Russell wrote a fantastic book called The Church in the Round where she says, when you get together as the church, the question is, who's not here? Right? So whose voice am I not hearing? And how do we include them in the voice to hear the full picture of what God has in mind? And the, this, is, this is my thought process on the entire situation. I think it's what's going to happen is there's going to be separate types of churches. Mm-hmm. And that's going to be part of the healing process. And it's it's going to drive some churches to mm-hmm. death, sure. honestly. But it, what I think is going to happen is there's going to be the church of the boomers, such as the church I currently attend. It's about 90% people over the age of 50. And then they're going to have the church of young people, which is going to be like 90% of the people uh, that are like... Millennials, Gen X, Ys, all of them, and there's there's going to be like a middle church. I think that's what's going to end up happening in the next couple of years. There's going to be churches that are going to But after that, I hope they can bring them all together. As a student of the church, as a pastor, of course, I I watched this sort of happen, and it used to be that contemporary Christian music all sounded like the Eagles, right? So, like, you could go anywhere, and the, the tradition, the contemporary service started in 1990 by the adults in the in the church. It all sounded like the Eagles. I mean, it was two acoustic guitars and the bass and the drums, and every song sounded the same. Good songs, don't get me wrong. I mean, I grew up on that stuff, but but it all sounded the same. And then there was this this transformation, like in the end of the 90s, where those people who started when they were had a lot of excitement and young children in the church and they were in their 30s, now they're in their late 40s, early 50s. They all have beards, they're still playing the songs that sound like the Eagles. Because those were the songs that touched their heart, yeah. right? But now they're not speaking the same language of, of, of the younger people. So then there was this split and there were all these new churches that started all over the country, all around the same time at the, in the in the middle to the end of the 90s, right? And all of the contemporary music at that point all sounded like Radiohead. I mean, you probably don't even know who Radiohead is. Right? I know who Radiohead okay. is. So, but they all, all the music sounded like Radiohead. Like all these contemporary music, it all sounded the same. And it was all <laughs> written by men or women in their late 20s and early 30s who grew up on the Eagles style contemporary music 
but they didn't like that music style anymore. So now they wrote new music in the music that they liked, and there was this like Seattle grungy feel to it, and um, and it grew like mad. Well, all those churches, those people are now late 40s, early 50s. I mean, there's a there's a life cycle in that, and and unfortunately, denominational churches have hung on to that one that worked primarily for the boomers um, for the longest time and it's really hard like and I get it I mean I love I love Bible camp but I don't know if the experience of Bible camp needs to be the same today for my kids who are cell phone kids versus my experience at Bible camp in 1985 right like there's something beautiful about being out of your elements and hearing scripture from a new person and nature and I love all of those pieces but we can't love the thing more than we love the purpose. So let me ask a question. Yeah. Where, what do you think the church will look like in 10 years? Diverse? The successful church? The successful okay. church. So I think in, in the next 10 years we're going to see lots of churches close. That I think that there are churches that are just barely hanging on and, and are not nimble enough to to make a change into post-corona America, right? Um, they don't have a, a passion or the ability for the tech. Um, they don't have a passion or ability to reach the lost. Um, they don't have the funding or the resources in small places that I think that they're going to close. Um, I think we're going to see churches without campuses more often. I think you're going to see online, distributed, diverse collections of worshipers that maybe have a camp, a church that has a campus, but members in, the, in a virtual or online campus around the world, right? Who would say, who would live in Denver, Colorado, and yet Hosanna Mandeville is where they worship on Sunday. And they're going to worship on Sunday on Thursday night, you know? That, that it's going to be online, the same way you would watch a Netflix series, you're going to get your worship service just like that. And that what I don't understand, what I don't know, is how then you draw that diverse collection of people around the world together in a fellowship experience that has the same arm around your shoulder kind of corporal understanding. Yeah. But I'm not a millennial. I'm a, I'm a cynical Gen Xer, right? But my kids would say, of course we're in fellowship. They're on my phone. Like, we're going to Snapchat during the week. We're going to, I've got streaks that go on for 100 days. I've got, you know, these other things that draw people together. I don't understand it, but that's not for me. I'm 45 years old, you know? I'm going to be ready to retire. Well, like, as being a millennial, yeah. that doesn't, that's kind of stuck in the middle. Yeah. I didn't really understand, kind of still don't really understand some things about, like, Snapchat, TikTok, <laughs> all these things. But as someone that... Can, used to stream on Twitch and uh -huh. do, do stuff like that and plays uh, video games. Like, I'm kind of stuck in the middle. And I think there's a lot of people like me that are stuck in the middle and yeah. just don't know where to go. And, like, I turn to the church. Yeah. But most people don't. Almost all people yeah. do not. So let me say one more thing. In the next 10, um, so in the next 10 years, there's going to be lots of experiments that go down in flaming disaster Hindenburg-like okay. experience. Right? <laughs> there are going to be people who are going to try stuff and it's just going to just fail. Bomb. You know, there was, there's this story, I don't know if it's a true story, of a, an open Zoom call between the 66 bishops of the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America at the beginning of coronavirus. And someone, because it was an open call, because uh -oh. they're... I can see where this is going right, right now. You're exactly right. So somebody who wasn't one of the 66 bishops or their staff 
in the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America got on this open thing and they screen shared porn on their computer. And so here are 66 uh, men and women who are leaders in the church who don't necessarily know how to block this person in this open Zoom call. Like, giganto failure, right? Funny now, not funny at the time, right? The, um, a friend of mine in Arkansas, very innovative, took his confirmation class to Minecraft. And so every whatever night they would get together in a Minecraft, they would build a Minecraft city, they would play Minecraft together, and he would teach confirmation over the headset while they were building these castles and cities and on Minecraft. That that is awesome. Isn't that cool? That is so cool. Yeah, he could do it. I couldn't do it, right? But but he pulled that together. I mean, very innovative. That one's going to be a success. The Zoom call, not so much. You know that that there are these. There are going to be these super successes that people can grab onto. Two years from now, not Minecraft, right? Okay. You know, uh, already my kids aren't playing Fortnite. Like Fortnite is for them is done. That they're yeah. ready to do the next thing. So, as a gamer, yeah, I can tell you, games will keep attention mm -hmm. for Minecraft's a special thing. Minecraft's yeah. been out for ten years. Yeah, uh, but the the there are games that will keep attention for about a year. Mm -hmm. After that point, it's something new. Yeah. Now there there are several exceptions to that rule, such as like Minecraft, Dota, different yeah. different things, and like that's how most of the younger generation works. Yeah, they they'll keep uh, attention span. Now video games are special because they you, millennials, Gen Xers, sure. everyone keeps the attention span on video games for a long time. Yeah. Everything else, nope, I, I right. can't. I, I can't, like, you know how hard it is for me to sit through a full church service <laughs> oh, man. that, like, has an organ playing and then has, like, one song that's, like, cool without getting up, going to the bathroom and looking yeah. at my phone? Me too. You know, during the coronavirus, the very first few weeks of corona, when we were all supposed to be on lockdown, we would have the musicians come. Who are, Musicians are fantastic, right? We've got people in the board. We've got a stream team. There's people here. I would get up in front of the camera and do my piece, and then I would go wander around. And I, and I would have to listen because we were recording it live, right? Recording it in, in real time. But I wasn't in the front where I normally sit on Sunday morning. I'm in my office. I'm digging through the refrigerator in the church kitchen. Like the hardest, one of the hardest transitions for me was to transition to keep myself back up where I'm supposed to be on Sunday morning because I don't have the attention span. I'm flipping through the book. I'm looking to what comes next. I'm checking my email. I'm seeing who the Cubs play. Like, like I'm busy. And it's going to be interesting. Well, so let me go back to my friend who did the Minecraft thing, right? Okay. Successful. Fantastic. People in his church, some people in church, absolutely lost their mind. Like, that is not how we teach confirmation. These video games are violent. We don't want our kids on TV all the time. I mean, all of the sort of the typical critiques of that sort of modern culture from folks who were not able to see that those kids wouldn't or couldn't come to church to spend all Saturday morning to learn confirmation. That the world had changed and so the medium of how do we teach the faith to kids, how do we know, grow, follow, had to change as well. I would rather my kids sit, play Fortnite for eight hours yeah. on a Saturday, yeah. Saturday morning, night, midday, yeah. any time 
than be out there doing something they're not supposed to be doing. Absolutely. But I mean, I don't have kids, but yeah. I mean, like, if I'm not, I, personally, I'm going to raise my kid a nerd because I am a huge nerd. <laughs> they don't have a choice. So, I mean, like, no, no, no. The first thing I'm going to do, I'm going to grow up, I'm going to be like, hey, you're two years old. Here's your first comic. Like, That's right. Totally. So, yeah. like, I'm, I'm going to try my best to kind of yeah. morph my kids yeah. uh, to what, what something they would yeah. Uh, like a kind of nerdy like me. I, now, if they don't follow it, cool. So be. But yeah. I mean, like, because I'm an adaptive person. Yeah. Two stories come to mind. When I was a, a youth director fresh out of college, I didn't know a thing. I learned more being a youth director than I, from those kids, I mean, those students, they taught me so much. And, and I hope that some of them will listen. And they'll type in and tell you the terrible things we like, the horrible mistakes. Oh my gosh, we made such horrible mistakes. <laughs> um, anyway, I had a, a dad in the congregation who, his kids had to come to that church's youth group. They had grown up there, they were going to be there, they had gotten confirmed there, all of the things. Those kids were going to that youth group. But it was a brother and a sister, and they didn't want to be there because all of their friends went to the, the Baptist church youth group down the street. And so they would come and they would, they hated it. I mean, they sat in the corner with their arms folded and they, like it just sucked for them. And I'm like, what's going on? Like, we want to be at the other youth group. We'll tell your dad, well, he won't take us. And so I called the dad on the phone. I'm like, what's the deal? He's like, no, we're Lutherans and our kids are going to go to the Lutheran youth group. I said, how about this? If you bring the kid fifteen minutes, the kids fifteen minutes early, I'll drive them to the Baptist church. They can get a ride home. And the dad said, okay. Like the dad was, his focus was, I'm taking my kids to youth group here in the church where my mom and my dad and my grandma and my grandpa and I was, lit, and so that's where my kids are going to go. He didn't really care where they went to youth group. The kids didn't want to be there, but for him it was a deal that they were there. So they came fifteen minutes early. They jumped in the back of my car. I drove them to the Baptist church and dropped them off and they got a ride home and everybody was happy. That's the future church. Yes. Right? So your kid wants to do Minecraft confirmation, but my kid wants to do weekend retreat at the beach confirmation. Sweet. Let's be collaborative. Let's work together as churches to say, you know, we're all working for the same God. We have some beliefs and parameters about who God, how we understand God to be. But if you're doing Minecraft church or, or whatever, like let's partner together. I think that's part of the next church too, is that we have to be more collaborative. And, and when we stop counting butts and bucks as how we're successful or not, then we stop worrying about if our people are worshiping somewhere else, because that pastor might steal them from us. Yeah. You know, because there's that, that mentality goes on in church. Yeah, and I definitely agree with that. Yeah. So since this is our first podcast, one thing I would like is to get to know you better. Oh, sure. So... So tell me, tell me a little bit more about yourself. Sure. So I am. Um, I'm Jay Grave. I'm the pastor here. I've been here for four in my fourth year now. Um, I've been a pastor now almost 15 years, uh, in all in churches in the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America. I grew up in Iowa. I moved to. I went to college in Iowa at a college called Wartburg. I uh, wasn't really sure what I wanted to do, but religion was important. Lots of camping experience in my background. I went to graduate school, and I wasn't sure if I was going to be a pastor or if I was going to be a history professor. Because that's, those are like, that's my love, right? Do I want to teach in the, in the history department of a university, or do I want to be a pastor? And I kind of went back and forth and back and forth. I took a leave of absence and moved to Copenhagen, Denmark, and studied there. And I worked for, um, I translated pamphlets from Dutch into, anyway, long story, a boring, long story job. And, um, and while I was there, the person I wanted to study with to do the history thing, he died. And so I didn't know what to do. Um, and so the seminary helped me find an experience uh, called internship, where you're like the pastor in training in Fredericksburg, Texas. So I went to Fredericksburg to be their intern. 
for nine months. I was supposed to go for nine months. I stayed there for five years. And my wife, I got married. I worked as the church as a pastor. It, it was just exactly what I was supposed to do. So I pastored churches in Texas, then two churches in Minnesota, a church in Missouri, and now I'm here. I'm married to Elizabeth. I have three kids. Hold on to your hats. I've got an 18-year-old who's going to be a, a freshman in college in Tacoma, Washington in the fall. I've got a 12-year-old seventh grader also a daughter and then I've got a two-year-old baby boy who's a complete terrorist and breaks everything in our house and he's so loud and having a boy is so different than than having two girls so that's it I like to be outside I like to go to the gym uh, fitness is important we got a sailboat um, yeah that kind of stuff Adam tell us about you well my name is Adam I am a millennial that's 26 years old and i've been coming to hosanna which is this church for eight years before that i went to another church in the area uh, i've kind of church jumped for a while a little bit about myself i moved around a little bit as a child lived overseas for a little bit uh in indonesia it was, it was quite lovely i had an awesome childhood i we traveled we had a wonderful time and came back went to school here raised in Mandeville, Louisiana, and loved it, and then fell uh, with the millennial-type cycle. I fell into kind of being a nerd, and I kind of just started playing video games, played Magic, just it came to church every Sunday, but I got to a point in my life where I just, I didn't know what to do. I started going to college, and I started doing, uh, coming to church, and I just didn't feel like I church was right for me and I had questions I just didn't I didn't know what to do and especially when corona hit that was kind of the turning point I was like there was a funeral that we both went to me and pastor and I went and talked to him about the audio from one of the streams that he did and I got myself involved in church and look at it like three weeks later look at us now we're making the podcast that's how it works so it works. It, God works in a funny way <laughs> and it's 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 quite wonderful. I'm, I'm about to graduate college and I'm just figuring this out. That's, that's the story of me. And uh, I, I really enjoy doing this. So, I mean, I'm looking forward to making this podcast every week. We're going to figure it out as we go. We're both kind of beginners at this. But, man, like... Well, thanks, Adam, for this great idea. I, I'm excited to explore this new medium. And, and thanks to all the people who are listening. Uh, Oh, there will be hiccups along the way, but we're trying to get the No Grow Follow podcast put together. Uh, as we close up today, let me offer a prayer. Dear Lord God, I ask you to be with everyone who hears this today, that they might grow deeper in faith with you, that they might know who you are, grow in their faith, and follow you uh, all of the days of their life. Dear Lord, watch over them and keep them safe. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks a lot, everybody. We'll see you later. Have a wonderful day. Bye now.